0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 88 of The Green Life. Today's episode is spectacular. I'm interviewing Olivia Hertog, who is an amazing raw vegan chef, but also a mom-to-be, and she shares her journey from eating disorders, from not feeling her best, from having a life that wasn't fulfilling, to really creating her dream life. And it's got a lot to do with the food, but more than that, really connecting to your inner self. I love my conversation with olivia because it really goes into a much more multi-dimensional aspect and we are humans with multi-dimensional aspects too we are souls living this very physical experience right now but we need to understand where we come from in order to get healthy and i love the way that olivia shares her wisdom her experiences and her knowledge of course food is amazing and it's got a lot to do with healing the body but it goes way beyond that now before we get into the conversation with olivia A big shout out to NamaWell for the J2 and C2 juicer and mixer, and I really want to urge you that if you are looking for a new machine in your kitchen, to go for the C2, which really embodies both a powerful blender and the juicer, and it's from a company that really cares that you get more plants into your diet. I have a discount code for you into the show notes, I don't make money from it, so welcome to use it, and it's 10%, so enjoy. But I am an associate and affiliate of Dr. Morse's herbs and I really, really love using them. So if you are looking to cleanse your body to work with someone that knows how to detox by helping the body do its job and using the herbs in the process, feel free to talk to me. But also get the herbs from the link below because that really supports my show. You get 5% discount code that is valid on your first purchase. So make sure that your first purchase is so that you get a nice 5% off. And yeah, every purchase you make from this link really helps the the podcast continue and making sure that we can really thrive and grow and make sure that other people can listen to the good news of health that we're bringing forward with these beautiful experts that are coming on board. And also I have my links to my website, so working with me if you want to, or my retreat here in Northern Portugal on my farm, where you're welcome to come as a guest, but also as a practitioner. We're looking for 2024 practitioners to come on and really experience what this green life is all about on Eco Dharma Village. All right guys, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with my beautiful guest, Olivia. Let's get into raw food. Hi Olivia, thank you so much for joining me for The Green Life, how are you today?
1: Good, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me, I'm doing great.
0: My absolute pleasure. I've been following you for a while and um, I got to know you actually through Perry, the the plant master, <laughs> uh, because he was well, your husband and you to do those very cool, funny videos to promote raw food. <laughs> and that's how it all started. And then for a little while, I also joined your community uh, which I really find you 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 curated so well. But before we get into all your work and the beautiful things that you do, uh, I would love for my audience, if they don't know you already, to to find out about your journey and how you got into the space of the healthy living and food and really balancing out this lifestyle with plants.
1: Cool, yeah, yeah, man. It's a journey. It's it's a it's a journey. I could write a book about, but uh, it started about eight eight or nine years ago. I had a history of um, disordered eating, being pretty disconnected from myself, trying to heal my relationship with food and my relationship with self through a sort of standard American diet, and finding that that didn't work, <laughs> it never worked, despite all my attempts. And at around that time. I met someone who was vegan and that was the first person that I'd ever met who was vegan. It was the first time I'd ever heard that term. Um, And so she introduced me to the idea of not eating animals and their byproducts. And I thought, Hey, that makes a lot of sense. And so I pretty quickly decided that I was going to uh, go vegan. And it was a couple months of just sort of swapping out all of my regular, you know, burgers with veggie burgers. And, you know, so I didn't notice much of a change, honestly, and mentally, how I felt or spiritually, how connected I was or physically. Uh, So I wasn't, I wasn't super stoked on that, but still continuing on with it. And then a little while after that, I was over at her house and she had uh, the 80, 10, 10 book by Dr. Doug Graham. So a raw food book for those who don't know. And so I asked if I could borrow it I took it home and I read it and I thought, oh, now this is it. Like this actually makes sense. Like actually eating real food, right? Not just impossible burgers or vegan chicken nuggets or whatever I was eating at the time that was just, it was just more ultra processed food, right? Even if it didn't have uh, the animal products in it, it was by no means healthy, nutritious food. So I started incorporating lots and lots and lots of fruit. And that took me down a journey of eventually deciding that I was no longer going to be on the career path I was on. I was going to move into a raw vegan community in Hawaii. I was going to heal uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And then I went to Thailand and then I went to another raw vegan community in South America. And I learned how to prepare beautiful raw vegan cuisine, which led me to being a raw vegan chef traveling around the U.S. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole journey, right? It's, it's been a, it's been a thing, but, um, yeah, it all started initially because I had struggled so much to feel connected to myself, um, and to have the health that I desired while eating foods that I don't think were ever meant for human consumption. Um, so that's sort of the short of it.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. I can totally relate to that in a way. Um, you know, I, I also had a very disordered uh, eating uh, relationship, well, a disorderly relationship with food. And I had anorexia when I was um, in my late teenage years. And then I just spent my 20s just bouncing between one diet to the other, one extreme, binging, purging. Uh, I mean, it was just catastrophic for my body and for my mind and spirit as you mentioned. And I love that you actually... You know, you you went on a journey to heal fully, holistically. That's such a, a powerful thing because I feel like everybody is so focused on the physical and they go on these diets, which are also restrictive instead of actually abundant and, and nourishing their body. And instead, you were like, okay, I need to nourish different parts of my being and find a balance. Um, were you ever also anorexic or was it just a disorderly eating
1: yeah, no, I totally had an eating disorder for about 10 years, early teens to my early to mid 20s. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was very, very severe, very all consuming, very, it was it was my whole life. This was yeah. all I thought about all I knew all I did. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely looking for relief from that. And you're right, I'm, I'm, I so appreciate having conversations around healing in a holistic sense, because I think there is. Uh, maybe in the raw vegan community or detox communities, or even outside of those communities, a lot of focus on the physical and food was absolutely a gateway for me. It was like my first initiation into this deeper self-awareness, this deeper inner work, but it was by no means the food alone that healed me. It was a whole variety of things. Um, Yeah, it's a whole variety of things. And that's so essential when we're talking about healing, uh, physical issues, that we don't just look to food, because as a health coach, I'm a health coach. Now, I work with a lot of people who have physical symptoms, right? They have physical illnesses, and they are perhaps eating the, the cleanest Bestest raw vegan diet, juicing, detoxing, doing all those things, and still very much experiencing their physical symptoms. And I don't say that to discourage people from eating an abundance of fruits and vegetables. Absolutely do that, but also realize that that in and of itself is often not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're not just these physical bodies, right? We're we're spiritual, we're emotional. There's so much more to us, and and so healing must be looking at that full picture.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree. And um, I, I I heard you say very mindful things about lifestyle. And I think this comes right, obviously, with coaching different people. And you just mentioned it now, you know, you can't just do the perfect diet or what you think is the perfect diet and not tackle other things. But you also are very balanced because a lot of the people that get into this lifestyle, especially when we get towards the raw um, it's not just about the physical, but it's also very um, very dogmatic in a way sometimes. It's like if you are raw, you have to be fully raw and you can't have space for different things. And our bodies change and sometimes they just require and ask for uh, different elements. And I, I think you um you really went into this on another interview as well, which I really appreciated because obviously you make amazing raw food but you also um you you also are open to you know different approaches if needed so I'd like you to just walk me through obviously you that you read the eighty ten ten you uh went and and studied to become a raw chef you make amazing raw food but you still allow people to actually experiment with different things can i just learn a little bit more about how your thinking pattern went towards that so that you can help other people.
1: Yeah, I think over the years, you know, again, like observing my own journey and working with other people, I started to realize that health is not a very specific thing that we do. Right. And and people, whether you're in the raw vegan community or a carnivore diet, or I mean, the whole spectrum of things, we have this idea that if I do this thing, I will be healthy, right? The health is in the thing. The health is in the The health is in the smoothie. The health is in the juice. The health is in going to the gym five times a week. And it's not. Health is connection to self. Health is knowing ourselves and disease is disconnection from self. And so it's not doing a perfect raw vegan diet that will heal a person. It's a person knowing themselves, being aware of what it is they truly need that health will find a person. And so I think too, you know, there's different, there's different phases of a person's life. And so there's perhaps a time for many people to do a detox diet or to be in this sort of more strict sort of approach when there are physical things to be healing. But what we have to remember is that that's a specific diet for a specific purpose. And at a different point in a person's life, (laughs) We have other needs and other purposes and other desires. Spoiler alert, I'm currently 34 weeks pregnant. And so I'm in a unique point in my life um, where I need different things, right? Like I need different things than I needed eight years ago when I was healing my relationship with food and I had eczema and asthma and I eventually got a deadly parasite. Like I had my whole host of physical things to work through, but I'm not in that same place now. And so my needs have changed, right? And whether you're pregnant or not, every single one of us is constantly changing. And so we want to be sure not to attach our health to a thing outside of us, but to have our health, knowing that our health is innately who we are. You are health. I am health. Everyone is health, just like love. It's my belief that we can never not be health. You can never be outside of health. We can be outside of an experience of health because we're disconnected from ourselves, because we don't believe that we're health, because we create, uh, you know, limitations and restrictions around experiencing health for a variety of reasons. But in fundamentally, we're always health. It's it's who we are, and that's a huge paradigm shift that I had for myself, and that I and I seek to. Help other people shift into because that's where the power is and that's where the healing is. It's not I'm not health because I eat fruit every morning for breakfast. I'm health because it's who I am.
0: You know I love that. It's like uh, the same principle with other elements that belong to our essence. Because I think uh, if we understand that we are spiritual beings, and I mean this uh, you know human experience, then we know we are encompassing a lot of the positive energy that the creator gave us in his image, if you want to say it that way and so um, i we are love right and we forget sometimes that we are love because maybe we don't act out of love most of the time we act out of fear or we we go into spaces that are negative and we may portray that uh, energy and then we forget the essence of who we are and i think it's really beautiful to think that we are innately healthy it's just that if we forget to look after the vessels then we fo- we kind of lose that path and then symptoms come up but in we can have inherent You know, health that it belongs to us and we just have to promote it and support it by making the better steps and the better choices which as you rightfully pointed out is it belongs to every different person in their in their steps in their life and where they're at and so now congratulations on your on your pregnancy and you're doing amazing. I'm following you, obviously, on social media, so I know you, you're thriving. Uh, I'd love to know, first of all, was this uh, planned? Did you, did you know that you would you know, want to be pregnant and did you prepare for it nutritionally as well as uh, in other aspects of your life? And, and what has changed in, in your diet since you have become pregnant?
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah. I uh, it wasn't planned. <laughs> I, uh, I I did eventually want to become pregnant, but our plan was a few more years down the line. Um, but this was the plan, despite what I I thought. So I didn't prepare for it per se. I didn't I I didn't have a plan for it beforehand. Um, but in another sense, I've been preparing for it for many years, right? Through again the diet that I've been having. Uh, the inner work that I've been doing, the the ways I've been moving my body through all sorts of different things. I have prepared myself, I think, to be at this point where I could conceive so easily. Um, and so I feel super, super grateful for that. Um, as far as how my diet has changed, I think that being pregnant has allowed me to practice that connection with myself in a bigger way than ever. Um, I feel like, you know, for me, I've had a lot of food aversions. It's been it's been not better at this point, for sure. But for the first five, six months, there was just a lot of things that really grossed me out or were really unappealing. And so it was really an opportunity to look inward and say, well, what do I want? What feels good? Like all dogma, all rules, all concepts aside, what Sounds appealing to me. What do I want? And noticing that fruit was always a thing that I came back to that I always wanted, but also some other things that I hadn't eaten as much of before, like rice. Rice being one, just like a random thing. Just feeling like I really uh, want to just like bland foods for a certain period of time. So my diet was like fruit and smoothies during the day, and then just like a plain bowl of rice that night, which is like not something that I would normally do or wouldn't sound very exciting, but it was, it was exciting, and it was really powerful to just completely surrender into paying attention to what I wanted or what I could stomach and trusting that, again, I am health despite my choices, right? It, it's, it's true that a bowl of plain white rice is not as nutritionally complete or abundant as a big salad, which is what I would normally have, but I couldn't stomach the big salad. That grossed me out, and so... But could I trust that uh, in this phase of life, while I couldn't stomach the salad and it wasn't appealing, that I could eat a bowl of rice and know that I am health and my baby is healthy and I'm getting everything I need. And I've been eating an amazingly nutritious diet for all these years. And I don't have to worry about the perfectness of my nutrition in this phase of life. And I think, again, whether or not a person is pregnant or not, we can get really uh, attached to needing to have things perfect every single day. Right. And I often sort of laugh with clients because they'll eat so well during the week. And then maybe on the weekend, they'll go out and have a meal with friends and, and they'll feel so bad about this meal that they'll have. And I'll say, well, that's sort of an interesting way of looking at it because the reality is that if you eat 21 meals in a week and you have one meal that might not have been the best thing ever, but you had 20 other meals that were totally amazing. Well then like, you're winning, right? Like you're doing, you're doing amazing. You have so many more amazing choices than one choice that might not be your favorite. And so we just want to make sure I think that we keep our perspective on, uh, yeah, the reality that our bodies don't need us to be perfect in all ways at all times and that we can trust ourselves. We, we can deeply trust ourselves because we, again, we are health and, Yeah. So that's been sort of an exciting experience to have while being pregnant.
0: That's beautiful. Do you take any supplements uh, or do you just do it all with food? Um, I don't know if you do any prenatals.
1: Yeah, I've been taking herbs. I've been taking a variety of different herbs and teas. I have my, my herbal tea right here. So I'm constantly doing that, but I haven't taken any sort of supplement outside of that. Um, which is not necessarily something that I recommend. Again, I'm my own unique person at my own unique stage in life. I've been eating a, a super nutrient dense diet for many years. And so this feels good for me. This feels right and sufficient for me. Um, but I say that not to necessarily encourage other people to do the same. Um, it depends. Everyone depends. And there can be a reason to take prenatals if perhaps a person is a is a different person. <laughs>
0: Yeah. do you did you test for deficiencies? I'm asking because a lot of people would probably ask this, you know, going through especially if they're first time uh expecting. Uh, there's a lot of apprehension, I guess, for a lot of people when it comes to growing a human. And um and of course we talk about in, in, in the raw, especially in the, in the vegan community in general, but in the raw too, there are, you know, many camps that are like absolutely no supplements. And then the ones that are like, ah, oh, supplements is better. What, where, where do you, I mean, I know that you are, you're very accommodating of what people think is best for them and you will advise that they check, but I was wondering if you have checked for any deficiencies or if you're just trusting as you go with it.
1: Yeah. Just trusting, just paying attention. Um, just again, and, and again, that's, That's a reflection of a lot of years and inner work that I've done, really paying attention to my body, really paying attention to how I feel. And I have no signs of anything that a person might experience. You know, like I I just, I feel great. Um, And you're right. Other people think that that's not sufficient, that the way that I feel is not a sufficient indicator for how I'm truly doing. But I think it is because again, I choose to trust. I choose to know myself and I choose to trust. And I think this outsourcing of uh, how we're doing or how our babies are doing to doctors or anyone outside of ourselves is a reflection of us being disconnected from ourselves and not trusting ourselves. And I want us to take our power back, right? Mm-hmm. And and in whatever way. And so I sort of fall in the middle of the camps between, uh, you know, no supplementing or take the supplements. I think, it depends. I'm not anti-supplementing. I just will do it when I need it. And I won't do it when I don't feel that I need it. And I think that that's a choice that um, everybody needs to make for themselves. Yeah.
0: And have you? Um, are you focused on gut health? Because obviously when we talk about nutrients, um the way that we absorb is equally as important as what we eat right so have you have you worked on your gut health for many years that you feel like actually you are in a place where you're definitely absorbing your nutrients and you don't have to worry about
1: yeah absolutely I mean uh I went through I went through a pretty strict uh moment in my life when I was really focused on gut health when I was really When I had that parasite that I mentioned earlier, um, which was destroying my gut and my gut health health was already a wreck because of all the years of my
0: eating disorder.
1: Um, And so, yeah, I have done a lot of work on removing old weights to my gut and then building a really healthy gut flora through a wide variety of plants over the years. And so I feel really confident that I am getting the nutrition, the most out of the things that I eat because I've done so much work on my gut. But you're right. uh, If a person hasn't done that, then it could be absolutely wise to supplement with things in order to uh, help if you're not absorbing everything.
0: Yeah. I Can I ask you about the parasite? And the reason I'm asking you is because um, in allopathy, the doctors don't necessarily ever even consider parasites. Now you said you had a pretty intense one, uh, but generally we all expose to them, especially if we have pets and um, you know, a cleanse from a parasite cleanse is actually very well advised at least twice a year for anybody that have animals or lives in a farm and so on. Like I I do both, I have animals and live on a farm. So I definitely um, in, like I'm really take care of it. And I've, I've started doing this since I was in London, even in the city. Um, when I learned about it. And as I'm starting to become a naturopathic doctor, I'm like, this is actually so important to make sure that your body is not being you know, overtaken. Now, of course, parasites are part of our, uh, you know, ecosystem in a way. They are part of just like good bacteria and bad bacteria. You will have parasites. We have viruses. We have like other kind of forms of uh, uh, microorganisms that will live inside our body. But our uh, paying attention to them is really important because obviously we don't want them to take over. And diet is very important because they thrive on junk food. They don't necessarily love a uh, an alkaline environment which comes with eating the right foods. But uh, sometimes there are people that perhaps travel to places that are more exotic and they can pick up a parasite that is ex- very different to what they used to. And that can be one of the the times where actually, oh my gosh, what's happening here? So I'd love to know more about your experience with that. Where did you pick it up? What kind of parasites was it? Was it and how do you deal with it? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I totally resonate with all that. When I talk about parasites, I think there is a lot of parasite fear out there. And you're right. They're totally natural. And many of them are not harmful but I am one of the cases of a person who traveled abroad (laughs) Um, I was studying abroad in Israel and I drank water I was told not to drink uh, just because I wasn't worried about it and eating fruit off the ground and doing a, a wide variety of things that I was just young and unafraid of doing and I ended up getting a parasite which was like a very it was a very immediate and drastic change in my health um I, I I noticed a bulge in my abdomen where the parasite lived. Like you could visibly see a bulge where the where the parasite was. I broke out in a crazy rash um, that was unbearable. I really struggled to go to school. I was in school at the time in grad school, uh, go to work, um, super crazy fatigue. Like it it just completely changed my energy levels. And so it was very clear that I had something that was a foreign invader that was absolutely taking my energy and my life force from me. Um, and so I went to the hospital actually at that time, cause I didn't know what was going on and was essentially told there was nothing wrong. They couldn't find anything. And it was just in my head. Um, and so that was the last moment that was a defining moment in my life where I was like, well, that's it. Like I will never, (laughs) unless my arm is falling off, I will never go into a hospital ever again and ask for help because I felt very dismissed and uh, very sick and scared. And so, but it was also uh, uh, such a blessing and opportunity because it was at that moment I decided to really take my health into my own hands. And so it was just my intuitive belief. I hadn't done very much studying. I didn't know very much about health at that time, but it was my intuitive belief that if I cleaned up my internal environment, like you said, and created an, an alkaline environment that there was just no way that a parasite was going to be able to exist or would want to exist inside of my gut. And so that's what I set out to do. I just at that point really went all in on the fruit-based diet and was just eating only fruit and eventually moved to Hawaii and was, uh, I ate only bananas for, for uh, 60 days. I was taking a bunch of different herbs, the herbs, plus the bananas, um, you know, doing a lot of uh, intermittent fasting, just eating in a very small window of the day, resting a ton, a ton, a ton, and uh, really trusting that, uh, yeah, as I cleaned up my internal terrain, that parasite was gonna go. And a few weeks or so up until the parasite did, did purge itself, I started to feel it sort of moving around like it was like getting agitated, like it was like loosening its grip on whatever it was holding on to inside of me. And uh, one night, again, I was living in Hawaii in the jungle, I just woke up and just had to use the bathroom. And so I ran outside and 2am didn't really know what was going on. So I wasn't fully awake, uh, Used the bathroom and came back inside and in the morning when I woke up, I knew I knew the parasite was gone. I knew I had passed it. I felt like a completely different person. And so I never found out exactly what type of parasite it was. I never saw it. It was never confirmed that I had a parasite because I was told I didn't, but my entire experience was very much one of having a parasite. And so, um, yeah, it was through that process that I really healed my gut, uh, really cleaned it out, really cleansed it and then spent the next however many years up until now, uh, rebuilding. Rebuilding a healthy gut microbiome, and so it's my belief now that if I drank that same water or ate that same fruit that I did in Israel, I would not get a parasite. That my body would be able to deal with it because it's so much more alkaline and so much more resilient than it was all those years later. And so I think that's an important thing to talk about too when we're talking about parasites: is they're not a thing to be feared, and if we are strong and our gut health is, you know, bolstered and resilient, then parasites can't, they can't live there. They're not for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, there will be probably in, in some cases, there might be a, an acute reaction to this foreign body coming in and you'll feel it. But it, ultimately if you are in a, in a space where your body's healthy and able to deal with it, yeah, you should be able to um, in uh, in naturopathy, obviously we, we try and, and, you know, limit the, um, the exposure to, or not the exposure, but so much, but limit the, um, how we react to things by making sure that we are in a healthy space, you know, like if you, I mean, sure, don't drink dirty water, if you can help it, you know, like the, those things can cause issues. And, but yeah, ultimately the terrain theory is much more powerful than the than the germ theory. Um, but it's interesting that when you went to the hospital, they dismissed you completely because, um, I mean, first of all, did they even run any tests to see like a stool test or, you know, did they do a colonoscopy? Like, did they ask for any, did they, did they suggest anything?
1: No, you know, I honestly can't remember exactly what, what tests they ran at that time. We didn't do stool. We didn't do a colonoscopy. Um, they, I know they did blood work. I don't remember what, what else they did. Um, it just, it very much felt just very dismissive. I don't know how else to explain that. Just, yeah. I was this, I was this young 20 some year old who uh just i don't know needed attention or had a, had a stomach ache and so just like came into the ER um and and it's it's a tough situation you know i have sympathy and compassion for that that system and all the overworking that nurses and doctors experience there and the reality that people do come in sometimes for attention or for needs that aren't great. And it's just, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, But I was a person with a great need (laughs) and something that was truly wrong and wasn't helped and wasn't even told that what I was experiencing was real. Um, So, but again, what an opportunity because of, because it opened up the door for me to take it all, take all my power back.
0: Yeah, I, you know, you're not the only one that actually mentions this in this uh, in, in this scenario. Like, uh, so many people, especially people that are told they have autoimmune diseases, and they're like, well, it's all in your head. And, uh, you know, uh, and autoimmune now is basically used by the allopathic world as, we don't know what it is, it's your body killing you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, but they're told we can't do anything like, you know, and sometimes they are told it's in your head and it's just not only dismissive, but also um, disempowering until people take their power back because you're almost blaming the person for not feeling well. And that's just not really the right way about it. And of course, if you then don't give them solution about, okay, what's your lifestyle like? And well, sorry, the, what they're what really trying to say is we don't have a drug for this, so we can not deal with this. Instead of being like, let's look at the other aspects. Uh, this is the most frustrating things about the modern medicine. Which again, I think when it comes to emergency medicine, they are fabulous. You know, like if you cut an arm or whatever, you have an accident. Sure, you're not gonna fix it with kale. You're gonna have to go to the hospital. But but it's just so frustrating when it comes to chronic ailments and when it comes to us having real issues that are perhaps even congenital or there are perhaps even ancestral you know like our parents made a bed and then transmitted to us like there's epigenetics that is in place nobody talks about it nobody knows how to deal with it unless you go to the alternative in brackets world and then you're told that that alternative world is not medicine and it's like we are so upside down right now um it's really frustrating so people like you are really important because I think we're bringing forward a truth that is um you know it's it it sends the test of time like medicine was all about what we're eating and the plants that we're using coming from nature i mean drugs are made from plants it's just that they take the biochemicals and then they add you know different compounds that are chemically like made in a lab so that they can patent them not because they actually care that you know they work it works or not it's just they can't patent nature so they're like we have to make it so we can patent it um it's a very interesting thing a lot of people don't even know this it's very very you know uh, the, like it's a it's something to go down the rabbit hole for but not everybody wants to um so so in terms of um your your journey into this pregnancy so obviously you had some aversions how are you doing now with um, with the food and have you been able to implement different things that you were eating before and you're happier with now
1: Yeah, yeah, I at this point, I do feel mostly back to uh, my my old way of eating, I've been able to incorporate salads again, Um, tahini has always been my favorite source of fat, that I would just dump on all my salads, um, which I was super repulsed by for a long time. So I'm able to eat that again. And so I do feel like, yeah, at this stage, I've mostly recovered my appetite again, which feels uh, feels really good. It just feels good because, um, you know, again, I don't have to eat the way that I eat because if I don't, I'll be unhealthy, but I eat the way that I eat because I find so much joy in it. Mm -hmm. It's so delicious. It makes me feel so good. My mental health is so great. I mean, there's so many things that I just, that are reasons that I do it not because I have to, but because I want to. And so, it was sad to feel like I couldn't eat in the way that I wanted to eat. Um, but again, just knowing that it was a temporary moment that was going to pass and that I could trust that my body was going to be just fine eating what it could eat during, during that period of time. So. Fantastic.
0: And um, what, what is your thoughts about, what are your thoughts about oil actually? Because you mentioned tiny being your male so- your main source of fat and, Again, in the raw space as well as the vegan space, we have some different camps: people that do oils and people that avoid them completely. What's your take on it?
1: I'm I'm gonna be this middle of the road person in almost like every scenario where <laughs> um, I don't I don't I don't incorporate oils in my diet for the most part. There was many years I didn't eat any oils at all, um, but I also don't think uh, they're altogether bad. You know, I know a lot of raw restaurants, at least, uh, here in the U S they use a lot of coconut oil in raw desserts, you know, like you go to raw, get a raw vegan cheesecake and there's coconut oil in it, or, uh, that's a popular thing. Um, and I say, okay, you know, like enjoy, I mean, I don't personally feel good eating coconut oil on a daily basis, but if it's like a fun treat, I think that's a great idea Or things like flax oil, perhaps, which is really, I mean, flax, I eat lots of flax, lots of chia, really good for those omega threes. Um, I know people who eat flax oil for that reason. And I think that makes sense and that can be a great idea. And so I don't think it's, it's an either absolute yes or an absolute no. I think we just have to, um, again, connect with ourselves, ask ourselves, how does it feel in my body? Um, is this, is this valuable for me because of this nutrition that it's offering me, or? Or what? Yeah, or
0: not. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned mental health being better since you when you eat the food that make you happy, bring you joy. Um, I love to talk about this connection because obviously you do discuss this with your clients that emotional attachment to food, which obviously comes when we have experienced eating disorders because we understand uh that there is the emotional aspect, the attachment and the comfort to foods, and that's why we sometimes can go into these eating. Uh, disorders but um it's so important to feel good and uh, there is two ways one food can become a comfort the other one is food can make us feel good or bad so um if i can ask you just to take me through your your journey with the emotional um with the, the emotional attachment to food but also how do you tackle this conversation with your clients when they when they come to you and they they're like you know i I really just need comfort. And can I get it with eating a healthy diet, for example?
1: Totally. Yeah, it's a really good question. So I always feel to ask myself first, and then others, what's the deeper need that's there, right? So those of us who've had eating disorders, I I hope we all know that it's never about the food, right? Like it was just our quote, poison of choice. It could have been alcohol, it could have been drugs, it could have been shopping, it could have been anything. And so Um, food is just the choice but it's never really about those things it's this deeper need that exists a, a need to feel seen a need to be known a need to uh any I mean all kinds of different needs that a person has and so when a person comes to me and struggling with with food I ask well what's what's the need there right like when you find yourself binging on chips every night after work why Right. Like, is there is there something that happened at work, a way that your boss talked to you? Is there a loneliness you're experiencing because of the ending of that partnership that you were in? Is there a feeling of uh, emptiness around the purposefulness of your life? That's a huge component of, I think, health that we're not talking about enough is is this this spiritual emptiness, this, perp- this, this sense of meaninglessness that a lot of people experience in our modern world which is we're just going to work and we're watching netflix at night and it's just sort of this really unfulfilling experience for a lot of people and so we feel that even if we can't articulate that we feel that on some level life is not being experienced as it's meant to be experienced we're not in community with people we don't feel we don't feel seen and loved and known And so it's a whole variety of different things. And, and so what is it for you, right? Like, what is it for a person when they're finding themselves uh, binging on food? Uh, What's the deeper need there? And how can we go about meeting that need? Is it a career change? Is it a partnership change? Is it, is it a move to a different part of the world or a different city? Uh, Those are oftentimes actually, I think the solutions, and it has nothing to do with food at all. It actually has something to do with something altogether different um so that's that's a lot of where I start and then the other part is is I think you know there's a lot of negativity around the idea of emotional eating and I and I don't completely resonate with that either I think that it's okay to eat emotionally right I think that of course we don't want to do it in a way that's out of control like an eating disorder right where you you feel your big feelings and you just stuff them all down with donuts but it's also okay to, feel sad and sit down with a bowl of banana ice cream and just, you know, eat a bowl of banana ice cream and watch a movie, you know, like sometimes life is hard and it's confusing and, and we lose people and, and we grieve experiences. And so I think that we don't want emotional eating to become this thing that is out of control, but at the same time, we don't want it to be this thing that we beat ourselves up for, for choosing, because it's a it's a valid form of comfort because we all do need comfort sometimes.
0: Yeah, you know I I think um in on this point the the thing is that a lot of people associate emotional eating with making bad food choices. Like you mentioned it's fine to have a nice cream and sit and watch a movie and that's perfectly legitimate and I think it's actually a brilliant idea. a lot of the times what we do is that when we are feeling sad because movies portray that right we go for the unhealthiest biggest tub of ice cream that is full of dairy and pus and um and then and sugar and we try to get that dopamine hit from the food so it becomes also not just emotional but becomes actually biochemical and so we can get a a, a, a you know obviously we can get addicted to the biochemical reaction that happens when we're having certain foods and in that case I think that's where the food addictions and the emotional eating becomes a negative connotation, but I think you're right. it is If you are feeling like you need something to just help you fill a void for that moment in time and then deal with where that void comes from, but that takes awareness, right? And a lot of people don't have it. And so I think this is the thing, like working with you, being in your community is that they get the support. And so that is the discussion about, hey, why are you feeling this way? Like, okay, right now you need it, just have it, but then let's talk about it. And that's not always the case, right? People have felt, they feel alone. And sometimes I know for me, it was this, it was like, I didn't feel like anybody could relate to me. So the food became my best friend. And, um, and I was like, you know what? I can't talk about this with people. So I'm just going to stuff my face. And of course, I didn't make good choices. I made the most horrible choices. And it became also biochemical addiction, which was really hard to break. Um, and it had consequences. So I think, um, you know, obviously it's a much broader discussion. But I think you're right. Like, if emotions in eating are important because there's also the joyful part. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving my food. That's an emotion, <laughs>
1: Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, we eat, we eat at parties, we eat at birthday parties, we eat at holidays, you know, like there's, there's a lot of really good reasons to eat. And I think that we've been doing that as humans for a very long time. And it's, it's, it's working against our nature to think that we should sever emotions from eating, whether positive or negative, or however we want to label those emotions. It's all a part of being human. Um, we just want to do it with awareness, like you said, like, that's the key is like, okay, I'm going to eat this from a place of sadness or depression in this moment, and I'm not going to beat myself up for it. And then I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, and I'm going to deal with what's really going on, right, or whatever the thing is, and just and allowing that to be a totally, totally permissible choice. Yeah,
0: I agree. So when if I can go back to when you started with your anorexia, with your eating disorders, um, did you ever go back and understand the root cause of it? Why did this start for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel um, for me, it was definitely this, when I talk about health being connection to self, disease being disconnection from self, it felt very much like I didn't know who I was. I was expected to be, a certain type of person. I was expected to fit into this image, um, which, you know, I, I say this with the greatest love and appreciation for my parents and for the way that I was brought up. They knew the best that they knew, but I was expected to be someone. I was expected to believe a certain set of rules and religion, and and it didn't feel uh, safe for me to explore who I truly was. I didn't know who I truly was. I was. I was expected to be a certain type of person, and that, um, that just created a lot of conflict, it created a lot of internal conflict in me because I wasn't living authentically, and I think that's true for a lot of people, a lot of kids, perhaps, where we have these expectations placed off on us, whether they're... Uh, explicit or implicit, even that we're, we're meant to go a certain direction. We're meant to be a certain type of person and it doesn't feel true for us. And that can feel very confusing and lonely. Um, And so that was really the root of what it was for me. And so it wasn't until um, I started to give myself permission to ask myself, what do I like? What do I want? What do I want to do in my twenties? That I really started to heal and repair that relationship with food. And so, um, you know, it's, it's so much, I think the focus is on fixing a problem, like fixating on the ways that we're broken, like with an eating disorder or with a chronic illness or whatever the thing is, when instead we perhaps want to shift our focus to who it is that we, we are choosing to be, what are we creating and moving towards that. And so naturally I found that my eating disorder fell away as I just moved towards the things that lit me up, right? So I just moved towards uh, the study that I was excited about. I moved towards the, the friendships I was excited about. I got a new job that was like way cooler than the other job that I was doing. I just was gravitating more towards the things that made me feel more alive and more like myself. And in doing so, I just had less need an eating disorder it just it wasn't filling the void because there was no void there was less and less of a void which was a process for me it wasn't a overnight i don't know how it was for you but there was by no means an overnight healing of a 10 year long uh eating disorder but i think i think that's a really important aspect for for people to consider again whatever whatever we're healing um not so much focusing on fixing that problem but moving towards the things that light us up i often say that we could replace the word health with happiness instead of a health practice or a healthy lifestyle. What about a happiness lifestyle? Because I don't know about you, but I've never met a truly healthy person who wasn't also deeply happy or a deeply happy person who also wasn't healthy. They're sort of in a big way synonymous. And so what lights you up? What makes you feel excited? What do you love to do? What's true for you? Is it dancing? Is it music? Is it uh, back the ball, is it, whatever the thing is for you, moving towards those things uh, will improve your health. I think that so much of our modern world is disconnecting us and, and so many young people, myself included, choose the path that is expected of them or they choose the path that's secure, right? Go be a lawyer because that's way more of a secure decision, financially secure decision than being an artist. Well, what if who you are is an artist? Right. What if your soul is an artist and a painter? That that choosing to be a lawyer instead of a a painter is a disconnection from self that I do believe will ultimately manifest in some form of disease. And so, yeah. And so we want to be moving towards the things that are true for us that truly light us up, and in doing so, our health will improve.
0: Totally. I I love that. I it took me years as well. I. It took me a long time. I mean, I I, I probably am still healing from uh, even body dysmorphia, which is something that I had to deal with, um, and I still do. And um, because of my awareness, I can manage it because there are days that I'm like, I look at myself in the mirror and I I see something that is not there. Um, and I have to really bring myself back to reality. It's funny how your mind can play tricks, especially when you lived your the majority of your life thinking of yourself in a certain way. Even with the awareness, these things can creep in. So I know it's not easy and it takes a lot of awareness and and a lot of uh, work. And I think a lot of people are scared of the work because it is a decision to step out of your comfort zone when you have to deal with these things. And of course, it's tough because we are, again, we are, we are given all these thoughts that if we are not in a certain way, we're weird or we don't fit in and everybody wants to fit in. And I'm like, why do you want to fit in? Like just be yourself. And so it's uh it's a tough conversation and this is why again why our work is so important the work that you do in your community is so important while I I see everybody responding positively in your community that's why I was saying at the beginning you curated a program that truly I feel helps people because it's um it, it feels like a safe space it feels like there's no judgment for everybody that is there they're actually getting a lot of support there is engagement and um I found that to be a very beautiful um, thing that, you know, you don't find in every community that are, I, I have joined, um, I was doing a little bit of research in different lifestyle, especially when I started with the raw food, because I never really experienced the raw food to the extent I'm experiencing it now, even though I'm not fully raw, I'm on, I'm eighty 90%, actually 95%. but you know, when I started, I was like, I wanted to experience and I joined some fully raw kind of groups and it didn't feel as um, inclusive. And then I, when I found you and I joined the community, I could see everybody was really engaged. And unfortunately with the time zone difference, it has been a bit of a struggle to join the lives, but, um, but, you know, I could see that it was curated in a way to be really supportive and that I think just that's the biggest value. So we'll definitely have to put everything in the show notes for people to join because it's amazing. Um, And you have the best recipes, which are great. So (laughs) um, that was really cool. And then um, what was your, so obviously we, we can look back at our parents and yeah, inherently they, whether they realize it or not, they do influence us in many ways. And, uh, for me, it was really definitely the parents had something to do with my eating disorder too, but what was their response when, you know, you started changing and you started acknowledging what was going on? I'm sure while while you were anorexic, obviously they were worried and they were, you know, doing what every parent wants to do, which is like remediate and try to fix it. But um when you took things matters into your hands and you changed your whole life did they support you in the journey
1: Yeah yeah it's a good question I do I do feel that my parents have supported me I feel like in a lot of ways they don't understand me <laughs> I don't feel like I have the depth of connection with my parents that I desire But they have supported me because I think that the evidence has been clear uh, that my health has improved, my happiness has improved. And at the end of the line, I assume that's what every parent wants for their child, right? They want their child to be happy, healthy, and well. And so um, while they haven't always understood my choices or been um, enthusiastic in their support, they have they have been always there for me in, in whatever choice I felt to make when I decided to leave my hometown and move to Hawaii by myself into this community that they thought was a cult. Uh, they weren't enthusiastic in their support, but, uh, they, they didn't deny me and not that they could have denied me. I was an adult, but they didn't, you know, make it more difficult for me than it was already a big transition choice. So I am really, I'm really grateful for that. Amazing. And uh, where did you meet Wes? And when did you meet Wes? I met Wes um, at the end of 2017. Uh, we met online, we met on a dating app. Uh, and so, yeah, we met, we met online on a dating app. And Was For he us- already
0: on the same kind of path with the lifestyle or did he, uh, did he move over because of your um, influence?
1: Yeah. So Wes, Um, And met Wes at the end of 2017. And at the beginning of 2017, his mom had passed away from a series of health problems. And 10 years before that, his dad had passed away uh, from pancreatic cancer. And so Wes had lost both of his parents before he was 30 um, and realized that he wanted to do something different, realized that the choices that his parents had made for their diet and lifestyle didn't work. Um, and so when I met him, he was very interested in a plant-based diet. He wasn't eating a plant-based vegan diet at that time because he just didn't know how he didn't have the support. He didn't know how to transition, but he was interested in it. Little did he know that he was meeting someone that at the time was fully raw vegan, raw (laughs) vegan diet. And so, um. I sort of pretty quickly transitioned him. Uh, I mean, he did it on his own. I mean, we did it together, but he took the initiative for sure to a raw vegan diet. Was very open about it, very much embraced it um, and continues to, it's what, six years later and continues to just get healthier and stronger all the time. I mean, he runs like a hundred plus miles a month and hikes and just super, super strong and super fit and really, uh, a really cool testament to the, the potential for athletics eating, uh, he doesn't need a fully raw vegan diet either, but mostly tons of fruit. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful that he was always open to it. And I'm just happy that his health is so great and that he will be able to live a longer healthier life um than his parents were able to
0: yeah my god this is such a I, i'm very sad to lose your parents like that but definitely so beautiful to see that he learned a lesson and wanted to do something different especially as you guys are you know at the dawn of becoming parents yourself so you're going to be such big examples for this new life and um it's going to be beautiful to see you know, this new generation coming through that is gonna be much more mindful and aware. And really these spirits that come into families like you and and your husband is they they're lucky because they really start ahead. Like I feel like I I wish I could come back and have that family, you know, sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful to see. And of course, when did you, st- you guys, have the funniest videos? I mean, they are so good. And when, when did this creative idea came about to do this educational material, but in a funny, ironic, and you know, humorous way? Yeah,
1: that's all Wes. I can't take any credit for that. That really started, like you said, with Perry. We call him PJ uh, <laughs> when he was here. When he was here last year, doing making his barbecue course. Um, and we are such big fans of him. He makes amazing food as well. Yeah. And Wes, Wes is the videographer, and they sort of brainstormed how are they best going to market this course. And Wes decided, realized that humor was the way, right? Like everyone wanted to watch something funny. And I and we sort of collectively, him and I, feel that there's just a lot of, like you said earlier, dogma, a lot of seriousness, a lot of severity around health that doesn't actually feel healthy to me and so we sort of choose intentionally to bring this more light-hearted joyful approach to health where it's like it's just fun and it's silly and we don't have to take things so seriously and let's eat these beautiful raw food dishes plant-based dishes because they make us feel really good rather than like we have to or we're going to be sick and die you know like this sort of this it's very different um perspective to live in and so that sort of started last year when he was doing the course and uh we just recently i don't know if you saw the one we posted a couple days ago a new one um it's pretty funny uh it's got a, a, a bit of attention we sort of have decided that we're going to make that a more regular thing that we're doing because we just again feel that that sort of light-hearted fun approach to health and raw food is sort of a missing link i think that that could be filled
0: totally i haven't watched the last one the algorithm has been really annoying every account that i follow it's not coming up for me and so i if you know for the listeners especially with all your links below i think they the best thing to do is to check in regularly especially on youtube because you post everything on youtube as well um to like really be aware that things are there because it's really impossible like right now the algorithm is not favorable to you know creative accounts they they really just go for all oh, trash and paid accounts of course so <laughs> wonder who manages these things um <laughs> so yeah um and i well I, we almost out of time and i don't want to take too much of your time but i'd love to end with a little bit of um uh, a, a little bit of information about the work that you do. I've obviously mentioned quite a bit about what my experience was with it, but I'd love to, for you to share everything that people can uh, come and join you for and how they can support you about your retreats. Your retreats look amazing. So if you can share a little bit of that.
1: Cool, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so I have my community, like you said. My community is sort of my, my, my everything, my support group. Um, we have daily chat rooms. I have all my recipes there. Um, I do group coaching there. We do book clubs on health and mindset and wellness. Um, and so, the, so that's a really special thing to me. In addition to that, I do one-on-one coaching as well, specifically mindset coaching, um, because I feel that's a big uh, aspect. At my, my coaching program is titled Health is Your Identity. And so it's really sort of stepping into this idea that health is who we are, like I talked about initially, and that being a really, really important concept to understand as we're working to improving our health, because so long as we identify as a sick person, uh, we will continue to experience sickness. And so doing the subconscious work to change our minds, to understanding that health is who we are, uh, was hugely Life changing for me, and so that's a lot of of what I do with with people as well. And then, yeah, retreats. Retreats is my, retreats are my other big thing. I host uh, several retreats every year. Uh, we have a bunch already on the schedule for next year. Uh, we like to host most of them. We do different ones. We like to host most of them at our own home. We live here in Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania, which is just really really special to invite people into our home, onto our property, and to host these weekend long. Uh, raw food and health retreats, uh, which are just, yeah, super special. I mean, it's my it's my feeling that, uh, you know, as I do this community thing, it's a beautiful thing to be able to connect with people online and to offer support with people all over the world. But I wouldn't feel good about doing that work if I didn't also create opportunities for in-person connection and experiences because it's most human. Most human for us to be with one another, to sit around a campfire and laugh and cry and talk deeply about the things that really matter, to eat nourishing food together, to go on hikes, to play games, to do saunas, to do lots of healthy things together. And so the retreats are really important to me and a thing I see myself doing for a long time coming. Um, so I have, I have those group retreats. And then I also do private retreats as well. My husband and I run private retreats, where we invite people again into our home to uh, have the experience that they need, whether it's a mom who's working through burnout, and needs a week of raw food, and rest, and sleep, and, you know, nourishment, or it's someone who wants to come um, learn how to transition their diet, there's, Again, there's just nothing quite like that in-person experience, which I think is definitely something that our increasingly online world and lives uh, need. So that's what I do. That's amazing. We have a space
0: here in Portugal where in summer we can run retreats. So hopefully one day we will have you here to have some yeah. retreats for us folks that are in Europe. <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually I have I have a big calendar over here on the wall and there is there is a Portugal retreat that I'm planning to host with someone next year. I don't have it officially officially um on the schedule because I'm sort of waiting for the baby to come and to figure out that, but the the tentative plan is to actually have our first retreat overseas in portugal next next fall so
0: amazing we'll definitely have to to meet up in person when you're here and then you can you should come and check and visit us so you can also see the space and you know i'm sure this is how it all happens when we all connect together it all happens the magic always happens and um now that the baby's coming do you think you'll have programs for moms as well are you
1: thinking about that Mm -hmm. I sure am thinking about that. Yeah. Again, looking at my calendar, <laughs> I have, I have a little sticky note on there, uh, for sort of creating a, a course on pregnancy and birth. Um, I'm planning a home birth with just me and my husband. Um, and I have gone through this pregnancy without any medical intervention, Um, in a deep state of trust, paying attention to myself, nourishing my body in the best ways, not just with food, but rest and movement and all the things. And uh, I feel very, very strongly about empowering uh, other women to take back uh, this experience for themselves, right? Like I took back my power when I was told I didn't have a problem uh, in the emergency room all those years ago. I think that the way that we practice pregnancy and birth. It's very much outsourcing our power uh, to the detriment of women and our babies. And there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of health issues that I think people live with for the entirety of their lives because of the way that we're brought into this world. And so it's a thing. It's a, it's a, I could go on for a long time about this. It's a big thing. And so I definitely very much see myself incorporating that into the work that I already do, which is perfectly in line, right? Health is who we are. We can trust ourselves. We can know ourselves. We can feel safe in our experiences, whether that's healing a chronic illness or purging a deadly parasite or growing a baby. It's all the same. And so let's take our power back and let's learn to trust and know ourselves. And so I'm excited to birth that uh, as well as my baby into the world at some point next year. I love that. How do you feel about having a, a doula? i I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think doulas are great. I think midwives are great. I think I, I have no issues with them. Um, I think, think everyone should have the experience that they want. I was told at one point that every person, uh, every person at your birth is an intervention. And that really stuck with me. Um, and, and an intervention isn't necessarily bad. It, it doesn't, it's, it's whatever a person wants. But I think, um, I think in some ways, for me i feel very much like i i i know what i'm capable of i know what i feel intuitively drawn to do and i don't want to be interrupted by other people's opinions i don't want to be interrupted from this experience that i feel i need to totally be in with myself and my baby. Um, So that's my personal, that's my personal feeling. Um, But I think ghoulas are amazing. And I know some that I really love. And honestly, if they lived close to me, I would, I would have, I would have them here with me. Um, So, yeah. That is
0: amazing. You know, I, as you were talking about the future, I would say, I also would love to invite you back later on to talk about uh, the, the feminine power to take back. This is the kind of work I'm doing for women. But of course, I, I didn't birth a human child. So I don't, um, I don't have that experience. But I would love to discuss um, this with you in another episode, because I feel like it's, as you said, it's very important, much needed. And to help women take that power back, because it's really being stripped away by a very patriar- patriarchal society. And then the medical system when it even comes about our innate, you know, instinct to give birth, like that's something we just can do and do so uh, I'd love to talk to, to you about that in the in a later episode and uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing how you continue to thrive and inspire others and I'm really grateful you made the time for me today thank you so much
1: cool yeah I'd love to talk about that some more and be on again and yeah thank you for having me it was it was a great conversation yeah thank you anytime <laughs> see you soon <laughs> bye
0: bye. Thank you so much, Olivia, and thank you everyone for staying on for this conversation. I hope you found it helpful and wonderful as I did. I hope the conversation was clear and loud because we had a bit of a situation outside the office, and as much as I worked to take the background noise off, you know, it's not perfect, but I hope that we were, you know, you could hear us okay. So if you want to work with Olivia and learn more about her, go into the show notes. I've linked everything there for for you, and she also has an amazing raw vegan course, which is spectacular. Her community is great. I've experienced it myself, so I can really vouch for it. And so yeah, enjoy working with Olivia, following her on Instagram and all the social media platforms that you are on. And guys, as always, I'll see you next time. Make sure that you review, share, give us feedback, help us grow.
1: Bye.